0: And, and the things that I've learned in the last year, boy, I'll tell you, if you have any interest in starting a podcast, email me. I'd be so happy and honored to share with you the things that I've learned. Um, it feels like it's been a, a master's program, really. Me, and whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. That was Matthew ten forty. Welcome to Discipleship Conditioning. Really excited to be here. Gosh, I can't believe it's been almost a year. I started recording podcasts about a year ago. And as I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, the first 25 episodes or so, I didn't even publish And that concluded around Christmas break of last year. And then I took January off to refocus and decide what I was going to do. And uh, I'm actually going back through some of those early podcasts now. And uh, repurposing material from those podcasts and creating a blog and those sorts of things. uh, Which I would be honored if you check that out. And uh, reminding myself of some of the things I talked about in the earliest episodes. But uh, one of the things that, it's, it's just hard to imagine that it's been that long already. And, and the things that I've learned in the last year, boy I'll tell you, if you have any interest in starting a podcast, email me. I'd be so happy and honored to share with you the things that I've learned. Um, it feels like it's been a, a master's program, really. Really feel like I've learned that much in a year but anyways enough about me and that process Uh, new angle today if you're watching video that angle is probably going to change a few times over the coming days Uh, I got a desk that is a standing desk excited about that raised up the mic and tomorrow I have a package coming in with a whole bunch of new podcasting equipment so uh, when you see me again the setup will look different and there'll be a new mic and things like that and uh, really excited that, uh, God has provided this, the fruit, uh, necessary to keep this going and reinvest. And so we appreciate all your support and thank Lord, our heavenly father for the blessings that he's provided to us. Uh, love to get to know each one of you on a more personal note. And, uh, that starts with email or connection somehow, some way. And I'd love to share with you our experiences over the past year and, uh, And learn more about you and your experiences. But again, that was Matthew 10 40. Uh, Matthew 10 is a great chapter. They're all great chapters, right? Um, But each one kind of just smacks me in the face a little bit harder. Um, Not in terms of it being a little bit better than the previous chapter, but in the depth of material that is present. So today, our benefit is that we're going to do a deep dive into chapter 10 in the book of Matthew, continuing our 10 week now trajectory through Bible study of Matthew. We'll get all the way through Matthew and we'll continue on through the Gospels. Our mission is to bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world, to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can better love the Lord our God following his commandments. I have a story for you and the story is about obedience. Maybe you grew up similar to me. Uh, My father was very uh, military-like. He spent, I think it was four years in the military. He was guard, so he was gone away when I was little, little for boot camp and their tech training and whatnot. I don't remember that. I was probably one. Uh, And I don't even really remember him serving weekends over the next four years, but he did. And uh, to any of you that are active duty military or have served in the military, even if it's just for a day, I thank you for your service. Our country would not be the country that allows for podcasts and freedom of speech and those sorts of things if it weren't for you and your efforts. And so God bless you and thank you for what you do. And I thank my father for what he did for this country. Continuing on with the way that I grew up, though, he he brought a lot of those principles into the house. And, of course, no kid likes that, right? And we grow up and hopefully we respect that and we apply that in our own lives as parents, And we understand why they did what they did. And we try to, if we're honoring our mother or father, we try to be half the person that they were. I love my dad dearly, respect him greatly. I feel that way. If I can be half the man he was, I'm doing a pretty good job. And a lot of my dear friends have excellent father figures in their lives and they feel the same way about their fathers. I felt so much that way that at 24, My story today is when I asked for permission from my father at age 24. Most of you probably started rebelling like most teenagers, 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that range. And maybe a little later, maybe a little sooner. And I did too. I certainly did. I was a very difficult teenager at times. Perhaps par for the course, but I wish I could go back and do things a little bit differently for sure but I respected my father so much that I bought my first house at 24 and I don't remember exactly what I called him for, I think it had something to do with maintenance on the house but I approached the conversation like I was asking him permission and I remember it so vividly he stopped and there was silence on the phone and he he was just in awe that I was asking permission and he said some choice words but he basically said you're 24 years old Like, what are you asking me permission for? You know, six years ago, you were considered an adult, uh, whatever that means. And to think that an 18-year-old is an adult to me is quite silly. Our prefrontal cortex isn't even completely developed until age 25, but perhaps that's a topic more suited for Mondays when we do biblical anatomy. Nevertheless, I respected my father immensely. I was flat out scared of my father. I would tell you at that time that he'll be 60 years old and he'll still be able to beat me up. Uh, now I'm not saying that. I'm saying that my father beat me up at the time. He never did. But I was intimidated by my father. I respected him greatly. and didn't imagine a world where I would ever be at a stature to where I'd ever be able to compete with him physically. Um, and so, you know, that part's ne- neither here nor there per se, but the point is... I obeyed him. My loyalty was to him. Frankly, I idolized him. No doubt about it. And requesting permission from him at age 24 is just status quo for some, someone, some son that idolizes their father. And that's what happened. We're going to talk today in Matthew 10 about our family ties. Who we're tied to. Are we tied to Jesus or are we tied to a member of our family? We'll start off with Matthew 10, verses 5 through 10, a little bit longer stretch there. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You will receive without pain, Give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. And he rose and followed him. Again, that was Matthew 10, 5 through 10. The first part of that that I'd like to point attention to is the lost sheep. Again, I've mentioned many times on the podcast comparing my rebirth with a previous life and a current life and perhaps phil robinson said it best Uh, i admire him greatly in his christianity his faith and uh, what he is doing to spread the word of the good news the gospel in jesus christ and he mentions that the person he used to be is just flat out dead he had some friends come out and ask if they wanted to all get together and socialize in ways that they used to socialize and this was after his conversion and his born again experience his baptism and he flat out said I don't know who you're looking for that person that you're referring to he is gone he is dead and I relate to that so deeply the person that I used to be is gone they're dead their life is over and uh, I didn't have a whole lot of success in that life either and so not a lot about it that I miss. and Not a lot about it that I wish I still applied today. Now, thankfully, as mentioning prior to in the story, uh, I had a great father. Have a great father. Love him immensely, and he raised me the right way. In fact, when I was in college, I remember calling him and saying, thanks, Dad, for teaching me this basic stuff that they're teaching me in college. And then looking around the room, the lecture hall, and realizing that not everybody gets the lessons that I did that seemed so basic to me because of the father that I was assigned, if you will. So, you know, I, I recognize all that and I'm thankful for that. And even in my lost days, I still was a good person, a good guy. Um, but good person doesn't mean that you are anything less than secular. And we'll get into that as we continue to go on. The next two points that I'd like to point out are very heavy on me in the last year of my life and the first is give without pay full disclosure and I think I've mentioned it before I didn't even start tithing till last December a lot of guilt around that um, but I didn't never never had Um, and I'll tell you what that is one of many experiences in my life when I chose to give unconditionally. There are many moments where I chose to give in other ways, but conditionally where nothing, nothing occurred. But the moment that I chose to give unconditionally, it's amazing the way that God provided. And if you haven't experienced that, I challenge you to figure out a way that you can give, not necessarily financially, but a way that you can give maybe something up that you love, give something And put God in front of that unconditionally. And you'll be amazed at the returns that you get. Provided your motivation isn't for that return, right? Acquire no gold or silver. This is amazing that they were sent out. Okay, you're not going to get any payment. Don't expect pay. And also don't take any savings with you. Just go. But as I'm learning extensively over the past year... There's really no need to prepare when God has your back. And that's the truth of the matter. Matthew 10, 14 reads, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. If you would have asked me in February earlier this year when I officially started the podcast, if there would ever be a podcast where I mentioned the the name Taylor Swift, uh, I would say definitely not, but I can't read Shake It Off or Shake Off without thinking of her her song there, um, forced down all of our throats through the radio, and if you're a Taylor Swift fan, I apologize for making fun of that song there, and uh, clearly I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but nevertheless, uh, can't help but think of that. Obviously, the meaning is far deeper than what I'm kind of joking at there, and perhaps my joking is inappropriate in this context but almost like some secular person would think of bad juju shake off the dust and move along but when we think about the dust and that we came from dust and that everything that exists matter-wise or energy-wise came from God in one instant of time if there even is such thing as time I doubt that time means anything to God nevertheless to shake off that dust that is unholy in that house and be on your way. It's profound. Matthew 10, 19 through 20. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Father, but the Spirit. Of your father speaking through you. Love that I do this podcast on Wednesdays because I almost weekly can reminisce on a few hours prior to men's group in the early morning. Uh, but we talked about this specific verse uh, this morning, specifically Matthew ten nineteen. Can you recall being in the zone, or even what that means? Now, if you're a sports fan like me, you probably relate it to. Something Stuart Scott said back in the day on being on fire or being in the zone or I think he said boom shakalaka or something like that. I can't remember. Um, But we've all had that moment where we're in the zone. This morning, uh, a brother of mine in group mentioned it as kind of blacking out, but in a good way. Looking back on something you said and realizing that you didn't say it. It's kind of like my... Uh, second or third grade experience that I've mentioned previously where I drew a picture but I didn't draw the picture. Those moments I yearn for those moments they fuel me for so many days weeks months and years thereafter looking back on that experience that proximity with God in that moment in time. So I can only imagine how nerve-wracking it was for them the disciples going out and not knowing what they were going to say until the moment that they had to say it. And looking back on that experience and saying, Jesus was right. We didn't know what we were going to say, but we said something, and that something came from the spirit of our Father. Matthew 10, 21 through 22 reads, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but the one who endures to the end will be saved started off talking about my dad and so the part that sticks out to me is father and his child and as a christian we want everybody to be saved and we want everybody to believe what we believe And I think that's a fault of religion that we try to get that to happen perhaps too much and in the wrong ways. In any church you go into, I know from my experience that I've walked in expecting a room full of Jesuses. And every single time I leave disappointed because my mindset is improper. My mindset is not in the right place on that room is a room of sinful individuals just like me. And I take it a step further here with my family. My family is full of a bunch of sinful individuals. And I do not say that disrespectfully. I'd say that about your family too. I'd say that about any person. The only sinless person that ever existed was Jesus Christ. But we have such proximal relationships with our fathers, with our mothers, with our brothers and with our sisters that this is a very challenging read and I I imagine this is a turning point that people close the Bible and don't read it again because as it alludes to here in this next section that I'll read is that if you don't put Jesus in a higher in- emphasis over anyone in your life and for that matter anything in your life you're not worthy of him and for the love you have for Jesus to be compared to hatred towards someone that you love here on earth is a, is a tough pill to swallow. And I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not. I, I could lie to you and say that I am and maybe convince you that I am. But God knows that I'm not there. Now, what I'm happy for is that I want to be there. I want to be there at some point in my life and I read the Bible every day, praying for such things. And educating myself on who Jesus was to better know God as best as I possibly can. I'm learning that faith is determined individually, not per family or familia. It's not a birthright that's just passed down to you. And here, they're they're talking about Israel in this section of scripture. In the beginning they say not the Gentiles, not the Samaritans. They're talking about the house of Israel, the ones who were given land. And maybe there was an assumption that everything was just given to them, that it was a birthright, I don't, I don't know for sure. But I'm learning that faith is an individual relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Faith is not a religion necessarily in my eyes. Faith is an individual relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And my faith, while it may affect the people in my house, especially my children, eventually that faith has to become their faith, has to become their personal relationship. Now I can't speak to that because I didn't grow up in a religious home. So I didn't seek church because I thought it was the right thing to do because that's what I was trained to do. I went on a sin of t- or a tour of sin and eventually arrived at that conclusion. And my depth of faith is so much greater because I was given the free will to experience that. But I have a few friends that are I'm very close with who were brought up in houses that were either son of pastors or related to someone that was high in the church and when they turned 18 years old they realized or soon thereafter that their faith wasn't their faith it was someone else's faith you know it would be better suited that I I bring one of them onto the podcast and let them kind of explain what that felt like but perhaps you went through that and you know what that feels like and I'm the wrong person to walk you through that or talk to that because that wasn't my experience but faith is determined individually not based on family not based on a last name it's not a coat of arms we'll conclude with these five verses matthew 10 actually six verses matthew 10 34 through 39 do not think that i have come to bring peace to the earth i have not come to bring peace but a sword. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. A few verses in there that I was alluding to, man against his father. Where flat out, where's my loyalty? Do I love Jesus more than my father? I hope I do one day. I, I don't I don't think I can honestly say that I do at this point in time. And that's sad. That's sad. But I can't lie about it. We all have work to do. And that's an area of growth for me. Love son or daughter more? (laughs) Tell you what, I've got a lot of work to do there. If you have kids, you know. Do I love Jesus more than my daughter? No, I don't. And that's wrong. I've got a lot of work to do in that. Probably the toughest challenge I've ever experienced in terms of my faith loses his life for my sake you know I think of loving these earthly people loving my family members dearly and I'm not saying you can't love your family members that's not what I'm saying at all Um, but go read Matthew 10 and come to your own conclusions on what it's saying and for me there has to be a difference between how much you love Jesus and how much you love sinful people of this world no matter who they are and that's one extreme and the other extreme is someone being martyred whoever loses his life for my sake will find it and I've had discussions with friends that want to be martyred as so often occurs in Christianity extremes are not the answer It's generally something that's more balanced and loving in the middle. You can certainly take wanting to be martyred too far to a prideful stance that I want to be martyred so I can be done with this world and all the craziness that exists in it and I can have a higher ranking position in heaven. Well, there was a lot of eyes in that statement, a lot of selfishness in that statement. So as I say often and will say continually throughout the rest of my days, what about the heart? So many of these issues where we have extremes and we have a spectrum of choices we can make are coming down to heart issues. And God is the only one that truly knows your heart. I, don't, I can't compare to the statement made by my dear friend because I don't want to be martyred but am I prepared to? Yeah, I am. And that might be harder for some people than how much you love a person on earth versus how much you love Jesus, but that's not my my difficult struggle. If you're a father, I'm sure you understand when you hear me say this, but you'd always rather have the pain that your child has. If your child's going through something you'd always rather take that scrape knee. Or flu virus, or whatever, and put it upon you so that they could be comfortable and they could be healthy. So, loving other members of my family, or another member of my family being martyred, is far more difficult for me to process than any of that stuff happening to me. Maybe I'm off base on that one, but for me, <clears throat> I don't personally struggle with that issue the way that my friend does. There's no... There's no ego with that. There's no pride with that for me. Now I just got done saying that I have other issues that I need to clearly work on. Be interested to know your thoughts on Matthew 10 and what you're pulling from this. And I'd love to exchange those thoughts with love. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not even a PhD. I've done a lot of PhD work, but have not completed a dissertation, so I can't claim to be a PhD. And I definitely can't can't claim to be a PhD in biblical studies because my PhD work uh, that I did before dissertation wasn't even in biblical studies, it was in education. I'm just a sinful man like you, or a sinful person like you if you're a woman. And uh, I'm looking for a relationship to create with brothers and sisters. So please share your thoughts on what you're seeing in Matthew 10. This one, maybe Matthew 5 also, uh, have been difficult for me. And so I've got some homework to do. And maybe you do as well again I'd love to communicate on that we are still sponsored by ourselves as I plan to always be our website is biblicalanatomy.com email us through one of the emails that we provide in either of our shows they will both get you to the same spot they're in the show notes of Discipleship Conditioning or Biblical Anatomy either podcast we've mentioned time and time again that tips and referrals are appreciated but more than that Really, my emphasis right now is reviews. Discipleship Conditioning has five reviews, I believe, right now, and Biblical Anatomy has zero. Now, Discipleship Conditioning is in its 50-some-odd episode, and Biblical Anatomy is in its seventh or eighth episode. So it makes sense, but we saw a huge spike in the outreach of people that we began to impact with Discipleship Conditioning, when we got those five reviews. So I'm not privy to the information on how the formula is based or the algorithm is written for these different podcast platforms or especially social media. But I do know that we reached more people when we had reviews. Now, if you have a podcast, I'd love to review yours, listen to yours and review it. Um, And I'd love to have you listen to ours, review ours, this one and Biblical Anatomy. And uh, so anytime I ask for something, I'm asking prepared to help and serve as well. So if there's something that you have that I can read, that I can watch, uh, that I can review, please let me know. I'd love to develop a relationship and help each other out in that way. Title of the show today, apart from Matthew 1040, was Family and is Family Ties. And so that's my take-home message for you today. What family ties do you have? Pretty simple question to ask yourself. And I think it makes sense asking it now as opposed to asking it at the beginning of the episode based on what we've spoken to. And we'll conclude as we always do with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this.